Julia Gerlach, Managing Editor of No-Till Farmer. Welcome to the No-Till Farmer podcast series brought to you today by Yetter Manufacturing. I encourage you to subscribe to the series, which is available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Subscribing will allow you to receive an alert about new episodes when they're released. I'd like to take a moment to thank Yetter Manufacturing for sponsoring today's episode. With the tradition of providing farmers solutions since 1930, Yetter Manufacturing Company is your answer for tools and equipment to face today's production agriculture demands. From many different designs of planter attachments for the different planting conditions you face, to several options of equipment for placing fertilizer and products to meet harvest time challenges, Yetter delivers the return on investment and tools to meet your equipment needs and maximize inputs. Find solutions to your challenges today at yetterco.com. That's Y-E-T-T-E-R-C-O.com. For this episode of the No-Till Farmer podcast series, we're doing something a little different, sharing the story of Auburn, Illinois no-tiller David Moose, as narrated by Jeff Cota. Farming 1,500 acres, Moose boldly jumped into no-tilling of necessity in the mid-1980s and started adding cover crops in 2013 to try to increase soil organic matter. Moose explains how he succeeded with continuous soybean acres by widening the rows, cutting populations, and using a biological seed treatment to aid in germination. He also discusses details of his cover crop program, some of the equipment that's critical to his success, including a custom cover crop seeder, a self-propelled sprayer, and two ATV sprayers, and much more. I'm a bit of an adventurer. In my 20s, I ran triathlons. Then I traveled the country as a windsurfer, and for the last 15 years, I've enjoyed getting way off the beaten path with my dirt bike. I'm certainly not afraid to try something different or think outside the box, and that's true in my farming operation too. In fact, I found driving headlong in a no-till to be an adventure all its own. My father had emergency back surgery in 1985. While he convalesced in the hospital, I was left to plant the crops on my own. Always a man who allowed me to make a lot of decisions and take risks. My father was fully supportive when I brought him the idea of no-tilling everything that year. I bought some coulters to put on our International Harvester 400 Cyclo planter and no-tilled every one of our 1,500 acres of corn and soybeans that spring. We never tilled again. We've long benefited from having top-notch no-till and conservation cropping experts in our area. Over the first 10 to 15 years of no-tilling, we worked regularly with Jim Kinsella, who had his research farm just 100 miles north of us in Lexington, Illinois. Every summer and winter, he held conferences that allowed us and others to get hands-on experience with no-till. His membership really helped us through the no-till transition. Others have introduced us to technology, cover crops, and revolutionary inputs. I enjoy exploring these new opportunities alongside my business partner, Lee Kirby. Lee recently retired from the military and intends to take over his father's farm. His father farms just like I do, and Lee wants to farm the same way. Being not too far from retirement myself, I've partnered with Lee and am mentoring him. When the time comes, I'll be grateful to have him lease my farm and continue managing the land in a responsible, productive, and sustainable way. Several years of strong soybean markets have encouraged me to commit far more acres than usual to the crop recently. I have fields that have seen four straight years of soybeans, and I'm chasing down innovative ways to push yields and profits. Cover crops contribute to my ability to capitalize on the market. 
without a cereal rye cover crop, soil organic matter, and overall soil health would surely suffer with year after year of soybeans. Cover crops are seeded on every acre of my farm, every year, even if that means frost seeding. Having living roots in the soil over the winter for the soil biology and to replace the soil organic matter we're otherwise forfeiting in our soybean on soybean rotation protects our soils and keeps soil health at least level. Working with Chris Masters, CEO of Biovante, I have been part of a group of growers experimenting with shifting our soybean production strategies. In the last four years, I've transitioned from drilling soybeans in 8 to 15 inch rows to no-tilling them in 30 inch rows with my 24 row 1770 John Deere no-till planter. I've also cut plant populations from around 140,000 seeds per acre down to 80,000 to 100,000 seeds per acre. The goal is to get good singulation and then encourage the wider space plants to put on additional branches and spread out to allow more sunlight between the rows. This also results in more pods on the lateral nodes, increasing yields. In addition to these changes, I use a Biovante biological seed treatment, BioCore, to help with germination and apply a sugar and bacteria solution, Biomate, in the seed trench. Its purpose is to feed soil microorganisms and get them charged up to help benefit the plant. In 2021, I intend to experiment with applying hormones at the third and fifth triofoliate stages with the goal of shortening the plant and encouraging it to put on more nodes. Shaking up our planting schedule has delivered success too. Soybeans are now the first crop planted in spring. In my experience, the earlier we plant soybeans, the more nodes they put on and the better the yield. In 2020, we started planting our dicamba-tolerant soybeans on April 5. In the past, I think we tended to seed corn under less than ideal conditions. I think soybeans are better able to handle the wet, cold conditions earlier on. Not only do I see a benefit in my soybean yields, but I see no negative impact on corn yields. If I can plant soybeans in the first half of April, and corn in late April to early May. I'm perfectly happy. Following these methods, I've cut seed costs from my soybean crop, but I invest that money right back into biological products. However, as I've made these changes, soybean yields have gone from mid-60 bushels per acre to a farm average in the upper 80s. We've had some really good weather some years, so I'm sure that's due some credit too. In 2013, I attended a two-day cover crop seminar hosted by the Howard Buffett Foundation in Decatur, Illinois. I had been no-tilling for 30 years at that point. I'd seen earthworms return, soil structure improve, and soil erosion decrease. But I hadn't seen the increase in soil organic matter that I had hoped for. Cover crops seemed like they might give soils the organic matter boost I'd been seeking. After two days of listening to success stories, I came home and did exactly what you're not supposed to do. I planted 1,000 of my 1,500 acres to a cereal rye cover crop. So much for starting small. Harvest was early that year. So in September, I broadcast cereal rye with my dry fertilizer application 
on corn stalks and soybean stubble and then use the Landall vertical tillage tool to incorporate it. The early seeding date delivered good growth, though the pattern was certainly inconsistent having used the spreader. The next spring, I terminated it at six inches tall and immediately planted cash crops into it. I saw a five bushel increase in my soybean crop that year, but took a 10 bushel hit on corn yields as the cereal rye grew enough in the spring to tie up some nitrogen early on. Not deterred in the slightest, I continued my cover crop program and now seed every acre every year. Enrollment in the conservation stewardship program has helped offset some of the cost of cover crops and kept me seeding them and experimenting even after facing challenges. The next few years we flew on cereal rye. Some years it was successful, some years, due to dry weather, it was not. Every fall is different. However, switching to drilling cover crops has greatly improved establishment success. For the last three years, I've consistently been able to establish cover crops on most acres. I use a light seeding rate for cereal rye cover crops. My total seeding rate is 35 to 45 pounds and now includes rapeseed, radishes, crimson clover, and or sweet clover, depending on my goals. Of that mix, 30 pounds is cereal rye. For me, cover crops are for increasing soil organic matter and supporting soil life. If weed suppression were the goal, I'd push up to the 50 to 70 pound rate for cereal rye. The thinner stands are a little easier to manage for me. As it is, I'm able to easily plant into cover crop residue using Precision Planting's Clean Sweep row cleaners. I can adjust row cleaner aggressiveness from the tractor cab and get a nice clean strip. Yet our polytwist or spiked closing wheels serve to close that slot even in wet soil without sidewall compaction or smearing. I usually seed cover crops in early September through late October, though I frost seeded some in December 2019, and surprisingly, it came up. Cereal rye does well with later seeding, but I get best results from the added species when they're seeded earlier. Rapeseed has almost entirely replaced radishes in my mixes. The root may be thinner, but it's still enough to mitigate compaction and draw nutrients from deeper in the soil profile. I like that it doesn't winter kill and is very affordable. Cover crops in fields being planted into corn are terminated at 6 to 8 inches, so they don't have a chance to compete for nitrogen. In fields to be planted to soybeans, I let the cover crop reach 2 to 3 feet tall before terminating it. I've learned if you let it get any taller, you need to get it laid down on the ground somehow. Otherwise, the soybeans will suffer as they have to compete with the standing residue for sunlight. We'll get back to Jeff Cota reading David Moose's story in a moment, but I want to take time once again to thank our sponsor, Yetter Manufacturing, for supporting today's episode. 
With a tradition of providing farmer solutions since 1930, Yetter Manufacturing Company is your answer for tools and equipment to face today's production agriculture demands. From many different designs of planter attachments for the different planting conditions you face, to several options of equipment for placing fertilizer and products to meet harvest time challenges, Yetter delivers the return on investment and tools to meet your equipment needs and maximize inputs. Find solutions to your challenges today at yetterco.com. That's Y-E-T-T-E-R-C-O.com. Now let's get back to the recording as we hear about Moose's cover crop program, including why he's using a relatively light rate of cereal rye, why he swapped out rapeseed for radishes, and how he varies termination based on the following crop. Cover crop seeding got a speed boost in fall 2020 thanks to Lee, who custom built a new cover crop seeder. Our old 30-foot Great Plains no-till drill had done a fantastic job, but was wearing out. Instead of buying a new drill, Lee mounted an air seeder to a 30-foot sulfur vertical tillage tool. The pneumatic system blows seed through tubes spaced out across the front bar, broadcasting them evenly across the span. Then, 40 wavy coulters, a harrow, and a rolling basket incorporate the seed into the top inch of soil. Early seeded cover crops come up great, and I love that it creates a new even stand across the entire width of the tool. What's best though, is how fast it is. With the drill, we could cover 150 acres on a good day. Lee's custom built cedar can easily cover 250 to 300 acres per day. Plus, there are fewer moving parts to maintain. Quicker, easier seeding will help me keep up the cover crop program which has been shown to be a beneficial practice on my farm through research done with the Soil Health Partnership, also known as SHP. For the past six years, I've had SHP plots on my farm comparing straight no-till to no-till with cover crop. In 2020, we saw a three and a half bushel yield benefit on soybeans with cover crops. Largely motivated by the CSP, I've shifted completely away from fall applied nitrogen and fertilizer. I found this to be a benefit as it reduces risk. Instead of being fully invested in the next crop the previous year, I now apply nitrogen at planting and in season and can adjust based on conditions and markets. When no-telling corn, I currently dribble 10 gallons of 28% N with thiosulfate on top of the row after the closing wheel and use Yield Plus food grade 318.18 with sulfur as a starter. The starter is applied using Precision Planting's FurrowJet system to band the fertilizer one half inch on either side of the seed where it's readily available for germination. An additional 30 to 40 pounds of 28% N are knifed in during the growing season. I include Biomate, a concentrated sugar with bacteria, with each application including any spraying. It serves to stimulate the plant. Using food grade starter, banding fertilizer, and making foliar applications has resulted in fewer salts being applied to our fields. We've noticed our pH seems to hold steady, resulting in less need for lime. Due to shifting N application away from fall application, using cover crops to pull nutrients from deeper in the soil profile, and using biologicals, to stimulate soil biology. I've been able to cut back my end rate in corn by 10 to 15%. I 
feel more confident reducing my end rate as applying it in the spring or in season means it's less likely to be lost in nitrification as the plant quickly uses it. Plus, I have cover crops to sequester any unused nutrients. The beauty of in-season nutrients is if I feel like the stand or weather conditions aren't ideal, I won't make that application and can save $5 to $15 on nutrients that I would otherwise apply if growing conditions were excellent. Foliar feeding is done with our self-propelled John Deere 4730 sprayer with a 90-foot boom as our fungicide applications. Fungicides are applied every year on every acre. I found they can add 15 to 40 bushels per acre on corn and consistently boost soybean yields by 5 to 10 bushels. Lee purchased the self-propelled sprayer three years ago, and it's been a game changer. We use it on our own and custom acres and cover 12,000 to 15,000 acres per year. In the past, we used pull-behind sprayers. The self-propelled system doesn't tie up a tractor, lets us cover more ground faster, and provides the clearance to apply products later in the season. It's been critical for timely applications for terminating cover crops, spraying soybeans, applying fungicides, and more. The large rig with narrow tires isn't always ideal for early, often wet spring conditions when we need to terminate our cover crops. In order to ensure timely herbicide application in challenging soil conditions, I also have two ATV sprayers. I use two John Deere Gators to pull 200-gallon sprayers with 60-foot booms. With those two rigs, we can get several hundred acres done per day when we have to leave the big sprayer parked. At an investment of $20,000 to $25,000 each as compared to a $190,000 self-propelled sprayer, they're a good value, especially considering that when not spring, we can use them as utility trucks. No-till has proven to be a great path for me. It means I spend less time in a tractor cab and more time on a mountaintop. At the same time, I'm seeing yield increases of 3-5% to each year due to combined practices. I'm also seeing my soils improve in structure life, and when I stop growing soybeans every year, hopefully in soil organic matter. Thanks to David Moose for sharing his story and Jeff Coda for narrating it. To listen to more podcasts about no-till topics and strategies, please visit notillfarmer.com forward slash podcasts. Once again, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Yetter Manufacturing, for helping to make this no-till podcast series possible. If you have any feedback on today's episode, please feel free to email me at jgerlock at lestermedia.com or call me at 262-777-2404. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or the Google Play Store to get an alert as soon as future episodes are released. You can also keep up on the latest no-till farming news by registering online for our no-till insider daily and weekly email updates and Dryland no-tiller e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at No-Till Farmer with Farmer spelled F-A-R-M-R and our No-Till Farmer Facebook page. For our entire staff here at No-Till Farmer, I'm Managing Editor Julia Gerlach. Thank you for listening.